On today's brand new podcast, we're talking with the host of Mind Over Macros on the importance of raising your floor. My name is Jake Thompson, your Chief Encouragement Officer, and this is the Compete Everyday Podcast, a show designed to encourage and equip you with the tools to build a winning mindset so you can build your winning life. Text PODCAST to 972-945-9113 to join our Morning Motivation Club and visit CompeteEveryday.com for past podcast episodes and to learn more about our resources and gear for ambitious people who are ready to start winning. Welcome to the show. Good morning, competitor. Jake Thompson here, your chief encouragement officer. Excited for today's brand new episode as we kick off the month of June with my man Mike Milner talking about nutrition, mindset, and why instead of always worrying about raising the ceiling, we should focus on how we're raising the floor. You're going to get a lot out of today's conversation with this guy, and so I hope you are strapped in, buckled up, and ready to rock and roll this morning. Before we dive into the show, I want to give you the heads up that tomorrow, June 2nd, our Electric Summer Collection goes live. We have a couple of brand new designs hitting shelves, as well as a custom-made ice shaker for all of your summer workouts. Fill it with ice, fill it with water, keep it with you. We've worked with the ice shaker team to create a black and red branded ice shaker that you can grab as part of our summer collection. And as always, The code podcast will get you 15% off any order at competeeveryday.com. So head on over to the website first thing Thursday morning. See all the brand new gear. Get yourself loaded up so you can get after your goals all summer and feel empowered and motivated every single day. Now, let's dive into today's brand new show and welcome in my new friend, Coach Mike Milner. Mike, welcome to the Compete Everyday Podcast. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, man. Looking forward to this. Uh, Shout out to Maria for the introduction to us. She raves about you and your work. And so I'm very much looking forward to today's conversation. Uh, Before we, I guess, dive too much into the journey, I would love to hear what about nutrition and changing, I guess, people's lifestyle was kind of your inspiration. What fires you up most about the work that you get to do today? Yeah. So now as it currently stands, um, the thing that excites me the most about using the vehicle of, of fitness and nutrition is the impact that it has in every other area with, for our clients, you know, when, and that was my own personal experience, which not a lot of people connect the dots right away. They know, okay, I want to get healthy. I want to get fit. I want to look better. There's always some kind of underlying discomfort there. Uh, you know, I always say like, will make a change when the pain of staying the same becomes greater than the pain of change. And oftentimes that pain can be physical, it can be health related. But then when you start to pursue this journey, you realize I'm actually showing up more confidently at work and I'm okay asking for more money and I'm showing up better as a parent or as a child or as a brother or sister, whatever role that might be in the relationship. And it's it's cool to see that cascading effect of, it wasn't just about what you eat, it was more about how you feel and how you show up for yourself and utilizing nutrition is just one vehicle. I think it's a very powerful one, but it's, it's one vehicle that we can access that has a profound impact on the rest of our lives. 
So, so flash me back about what really started you down this path. Did you go through a, a giant transformation yourself in terms of your health and wellness at some point, or has it been something that you've just genuinely always been curious about? Yeah. So for me, it's interesting when you typically look at people in the space, usually they've gone through some of some transformation of some kind. And typically we see two kinds. We either see somebody who is significantly overweight and they lost a lot of weight and they're like, oh my God, this has been transformational. I want to pay it forward. Or you see somebody who is significantly underweight, maybe like didn't have a lot of muscle or they were skinny. They got picked on that sort of thing. And they gained muscle. They found strength training became more fit, more confident. I've actually been on every end of the spectrum. So my transformation started when I was really young. I, I grew up an athlete and in my family, I considered myself the lucky one. Um, I grew up in a household where dieting was normal, where having a disordered relationship with food was normal. And there was nothing intentional about it. It was just my parents lived through a time where uh, there was a lot of pressure to look a certain way and to eliminate foods. And at that time, you know, for them, it was like, they went through the whole don't eat fat and then don't eat carbs. And um, so, and, and I have two older sisters. So my entire family has experienced some form of disordered eating body image issues from not so serious, which uh, was my dad's case. It wasn't very serious to extremely serious. My oldest sister almost lost her life to anorexia. And I was what I considered the lucky one. I'm an athlete. I play sports. I can eat whatever I want. I've got, you know, great metabolism, all the things until I went to college and organized sports ended after I graduated. And I had picked up a lot of poor habits as college kids tend to do. And I went from athlete to significantly overweight. Uh, the, the first time that I was comfortable stepping on the scale, I was over 250 pounds and I was probably heavier at my heaviest, but I, I was too afraid to look. And it was like an identity crisis because I had identified so strongly as an athlete. I felt like I couldn't step back on a basketball court or a tennis court. I, I didn't want to see friends that I hadn't seen in a while because all the questions that they were going to ask me were you know, rattling off in my head. So I went down this path of how do I lose this weight as fast as humanly possible to get back to being me? And that led me down the path of chronic dieting, uh, restricting hating myself, hating the way that I looked, punishing myself for eating certain foods. And it was a very dark time in my life, which led me to the opposite end of the spectrum, which was significantly underweight because there was at no point in time, was it ever going to be enough? I always had these benchmark goals I wanted to achieve. I wanted to get below 200. And then when I got below 200, that wasn't enough. So it was 190 and then it was 180 and then it was 170. And then it just kept going. And I just kept moving the goalpost back. So I found myself on the complete opposite end of the spectrum, orthorexic, hating myself at my leanest and had to crawl out of that hole. So I've, I've been on both sides. I know the feeling that, that comes with either end of that and uh, finally had to, had to crawl my way out of that dark space. And once I figured things out for myself and got to a better place, uh, that was really what led me to doing what I do today. I just wanted to help people avoid the same mistakes that I made. I love that. And, and I love so many pieces of that. And there's a chunk of it from the, the college age and athlete that I can relate to as well from metabolism and picking up poor eating habits and, and how that kind of changes and messes with you. One thing I'm curious about that you just kind of hear that, you know, people have this idea, it's too late. I'm too far gone. You know, it's, it's so much work and it, and it is a lot of work when you were say at that point, at your worst, right before you kind of pulled yourself back out of it. Um, 
how did you, I would even say, just get started? Like, what were those small steps? Was there someone in your corner? Was what, what did that situation look like? Because I think for a lot of people, we make the mistake of looking at the mountain we're trying to climb instead of what's the first step to just start moving up. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I've, I always, since I started to figure things out, I always have people in my corner. And what I realized very early on was that I was relying on things and not people, meaning I was looking for the next diet. I was looking for the next meal plan to tell me to eat 1200 calories and starving myself. And I just have to have more willpower. It was all about me just trying to figure this out on my own and struggling for 10 years. um, I'm, I guess I'm stubborn and I'm a slow learner. So um, at, at a certain point, I really had to have this honest conversation. If this was going to work, it would have worked by now. And I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm smart enough to figure things out. I know that there's something I must be missing. And I've been trying this on my own. And, and I've had, I had conversations with coaches in the past, but I never took the plunge to actually sign up and work with a coach because I was always like, well, I'm just going to pay for this next meal plan or diet template or something along those lines. I had a conversation. This was before I ever hired um, this particular coach, it was my, one of my early mentors and he agreed to uh, have a Skype call with me and we talked for two hours and I didn't, I didn't pay him anything at that point. And he was just going through all of the stuff and like everything that he said was me. He was like speaking and he was just telling me stories about his own past and clients he's worked, you know, he worked with and um, he didn't offer me anything other than the feeling of I'm not alone. And it wasn't my fault. And that, I think having permission to like not blame myself and not beat myself up was, was huge. And then for me, the first step was, okay, I actually have to figure out this thing for life. And I realized the disconnect was my, this entire process, my mindset was always, what can I do over the next 30 days to make, make progress happen as quickly as possible. And after that conversation, he reshaped my focus. What can I do for the rest of my life? So I started to filter everything through that lens. Can I do this forever? And so moving my body was one thing where it was like, I don't have to do these intense, crazy workouts. I don't have to do hours and hours of cardio every day. I can actually go for a 10 minute walk. I can lift some weights three to four days per week. And like, yeah, that feels more sustainable for life. Uh, You know, eating wise, I don't have to deprive myself and follow this strict meal plan, but yeah, I can eat more protein and get more veggies in and focus on food quality. And those are things that I can see myself doing forever. So it's like the tiny, small, and I'm, I'm a big fan of like compounding interest, like take these tiny little habits, drinking more water, walking more, uh, you know, managing stress a little bit, you know, getting quality sleep every night, just stacking up these habits over time and then doing it for a really long time. So the compounding interest can, can hit years later you're going to be a whole different person. And so that was the biggest shift that I had to make was it's no longer about what can I accomplish in the next 30 days, but can I see myself doing this for life? I love, I, I love that aspect of a few areas. One, James Clear talks about it a ton in Atomic Habits of the, the small consistency stacking. And, and we know from a financial standpoint, the beauty of compounding interest. And it's so important from a life standpoint as well. The other piece that really stood out to me that I can relate to with that is the idea of, of being more dialed in on nutrition and, and playing the life game. And I've noticed when I focused more on how can I just make sure I'm eating better? I'm, I'm not drinking as much alcohol. I'm, I'm avoiding my favorite donuts, whatever the case may be. 
I don't feel mentally the pressure of, man, you got to get in and, and crush a wad today and a strength session. You got to do this because you ate all this crap. And, and there's a whole lot of psychology wrapped in that mess, but you don't have to go an hour to two hours every day training if you're, if you're eating well and taking care of that. And, and, and everybody's like, what's the, what's the phrase? You can't out train a bad diet. And a hundred percent the truth. My mentor, she's dropped. She'd kill me if I didn't know the number, but I mean, it's well over a hundred, 150 pounds. She never went to the gym. She was like, I have to do it in the kitchen because if I don't take care of my nutrition, it doesn't matter what I do in the gym. I'll revert back when bad habits, but just like you talked about playing the long game with that, the curious, uh, curiously, the process of starting to eat clean even and, and just improving your nutrition, playing the long game can seem overwhelming. Behind me, I've got bookshelves of sports site books and leadership and sales book, but we could easily fill it with different types of ways to eat and how to eat and paleo and keto and, and what's hot now and what was hot 10 years ago. Where do you go? Obviously, coaching is a big piece of it. But for someone that's like, I don't even know like what eating well looks like. Is it just salad? Is it what? They don't ha even have a baseline or concept. Where do you usually recommend people to start at least learning themselves? Yeah, so the most effective place to start is where you're currently at. I always use the analogy when you're trying to plug in directions, right? Like if I want to use Waze and I want Waze to send me somewhere, it doesn't do me any good if it doesn't give me my exact starting location, right? If I'm in a new city, I'm like, hey, I'm trying to get to this destination in this city. Uh, and, and it gives me a starting point that's three blocks away from, from where I currently am standing. Those directions are useless. And I think a lot of people, uh, to your point, there's all of these different, quote unquote, best diets out there. And they immediately want to jump into something without understanding where they're starting. So the best place to start is to gain awareness around what you're currently doing. What are some of the things that like, what do you eat on a daily basis? Now, this doesn't have to include meticulously tracking everything into an app like MyFitnessPal, where you're actually logging the total number of calories that you're consuming on a daily basis, although it can be very enlightening to do that for a period of time. It can simply be just journaling and, you know, breakfast 9 a.m. This is what I ate. Snack, you know, 10 a.m. This is what I ate. And just a quick journal. Like you don't, you don't have to do it forever. Uh, do it for three to five days and gain awareness around some of those habits. And it's important to not try to change anything because when we do this, we, you know, then we are like, all right, well now because I'm recording it, I have to eat perfectly. But resist that urge and just continue doing what you're currently doing, and you will see. Well, you know, I'm, I'm drinking alcohol every single night and. I'm ordering Uber Eats three nights out of the week and I'm, you know, snacking on cookies, you know, four nights out of the week, you'll start to see some of these patterns. Now, the important part there is we're not trying to change everything all at once. We want to pick the low hanging fruit and it looks different for everybody. But because we know your starting point, we can see, you know, maybe it's the, you know, ordering and fast food and that's kind of like the friction point for you. And we want to remove that friction point. For me, I would much rather add something in, then take something out. For example, if I'm trying to reduce the amount of, of soda that I drink, rather than just telling myself to stop drinking soda and like white knuckle my way through it, what if I focused on adding more water? So like, I'm going to keep drinking soda, but I'm going to just start drinking more water. And 
naturally you'll start to reduce the amount of soda that you consume. So um, the analogy that I use, if you're trying to remove soap from a bottle, you can try to shake out the soap, but there's always that last little bit that stays in there and it gets frustrating and you know, you're working your ass off with not much to show for it, or we can fill the soap bottle with water. And in the beginning, it's going to be some water and some soap. As we continue to let the water fill up, all of the soap will be out of the bottle and it will just be water left over. It's the same thing. If you're trying to reduce the amount of fast food that you're eating, let's start adding more quality food choices like protein, vegetables, fruit, um, you know, fibrous veggies, carbs, things like that, that are quality food that's going to fill you up where you might not want, you'll, you'll start to notice you feel a lot better. You have more mental clarity, more energy, better mood. And then you're like, you know what? I'm not really in the mood for fast food. So naturally you'll start to reduce it. Um, and so we want to know like, what's, what's the low hanging fruit? What's the friction point? And then what's the least amount of effort that we can insert to create the desired outcome that we want. And a lot of people push back on that. We're like, well, you have to put in like maximum effort. And there are times, yes, where you have to put in more effort. But the way that I view it is if we set up a system where like your average is good enough, then on your best day, that's just keeping asymmetry to the upside. That just means it's the icing on the cake, right? If we're, if we're setting up a system where you have to have max effort and be at your best every single day, we're setting you up for failure. That's not the place to be where a lot of people jump into a protocol and they're like, I have to eat perfectly. I have to train perfectly. I have to take all my supplements. I have to get my cardio in. I have to do all of these things. They have to be at their best every single day. Inevitably, you're not going to be at your best one day. And then you're going to feel like a failure. Well, I didn't get everything done. I'm a failure. I'm going to go, you know, screw it. Why even bother? I would rather we set up a system where your average effort is good enough and that's moving the needle. And then when you're feeling really good, we've got the icing on the cake for, you know, those days where it keeps asymmetry to the upside. You know, it's interesting. You said that I was listening actually over the weekend to an interview, Michael Gervais was talking on the finding mastery podcast with Greg Olson, who's one of my favorite NFL guys. And they were talking about this idea of, of being the best versus kind of being your best. And, and it was a, down a rabbit hole conversation, but Michael was talking about their Olympic athletes. And he said, we don't need them at a hundred percent every single day. He's like, we, they're not going to be, there's days they're going to wake up. They're going to be at 60 to 70. So how do we kind of maximize that 60 to 70 and keep their average high so that when they have to be at full on hundred percent, their absolute best, they're right there. It's a subtle shift versus going all the way back down and trying to climb back up. Just like you talked about, if we can raise that average, then it's not about that kind of perfection piece. And I think that's so incredibly important. And, and we see it every year in January when people set New Year's resolutions and they change everything out of the gate instead of just changing a little bit and stacking on top of that. And I think especially with nutrition for so many of us that me, myself included, we didn't grow up around it. We kind of ate whatever because our metabolism was so fast and, and you're kind of learning that process. The small pieces are what's better. And, and to your point of talking about changing things, most of us don't realize what we're missing when we can eat well and eat clean. Like when you get into a groove of, you know, you go on vacation and you're, you're drinking every day, you're at the beach, you're doing whatever, you, you start to feel like crap. And at the end of it, you're like, oh, I feel terrible. I want to get going. But in the day-to-day -day habit, when you're like, oh, I'm going to have a glass of whiskey after work or a glass of wine, and we do it every night, you're just kind of getting in that groove to where if you go a week without it, you're like, I feel so much better in the mornings. I'm so much cleaner. But our our bodies are so used to being stuck in that path. And I think that's what's so important about a lot of your work. And that's actually what I really love about kind of the, the branding of this neurotype training, 
and focusing on the mental, like everybody talks about what are you eating, but really it starts up here. Everything we want to do starts up here. And so with you, I'm curious of your own kind of ongoing, because you've got a system in place for yourself. You're coaching other people. There's no better way to learn it than to coach others. How do you continue to keep yourself accountable to those incremental little adjustable changes versus getting, I would even say getting caught up with however many other coaches and individuals are in your industry that, you know, you can look at this brand or that coach and think, I'm so distracted, but you're like, how do I stay on my lane and just focus on how do we incrementally improve what I do and what I intake as well as how I coach? Yeah. I love that question. Uh, You know, it's, for me, it's one of those things where I've had to actually take a step back because along the same lines that we've just been talking about, our inclination is to always like, especially if you're, if you have any sort of athletic background or you're competitive, you're, you're driven, you have this inclination where we want to raise the ceiling all the time. Like, and this happens with, with businesses too. I, I work with a lot of coaches on their coaching business and they, they hit like a revenue, uh, a high, their, their best revenue month. And then they want to beat that. They want that to be like their new floor. And they're like, Oh, I just hit this milestone. Like now every month should be higher than that. And like, that's how you blow yourself up when yep. you're constantly trying to beat your best. That's how you end up wrecking yourself. And um, you're the most susceptible. And this, this is in every area of your life. After your best month, you are the most susceptible following that effort. Like when it comes to your business, your business is the most susceptible to a downturn after your best revenue month with your, with your body, you are the most susceptible to gaining weight after your best dieting effort. Um, athletes, they are the most susceptible to, to burnout mentally and physical injury after their best season, right? There's all of this effort that's been put into it, but yet our mind tells us more, like I need to, I need to beat this, or this needs to be the new floor. So I've had to take a step back for myself, learning that the hard way in both business and in my fitness and nutrition, where I had to look more at the floor. What was I falling down to? And I was thinking, always thinking of raising the ceiling, but never thinking about raising the floor. And, and that shift has been huge for me because it allowed me to assess areas that are counter to my, my natural inclination. Meaning I always think about like, what's the maximum output I can give versus what's the minimum effective dose. And that in every phase of my life, I've had to assess that because there's some phases where I'm going to be really focused on business growth and I'm going to have to get by with the minimum effective dose for my fitness and nutrition. I need to know what that is. How many days a week of training? What does that look like from a nutrition standpoint? Um, I've even had to set up my days where I look at every single day, looking at, you know, if I can win my day, the day being the fundamental unit of life, I can set up a pretty nice life for myself. So what, what are the things that I need to do every single day to win the day? But what's the minimum amount in that area? So I've assessed if I move my body, if I eat well, and if I write and get into a creative space, that's, those are the minimum three. Anything extra is, again, if I'm feeling good and I have more to give, amazing. I'm not putting pressure on myself to ever do more than that because I've assessed what's my floor and how can I raise the floor? What's the minimum effective dose? So I look at what phase of life am I in? What's the priority right now? If I'm trying to like get lean for a photo shoot, um, there, there's a level of effort that goes into that where now I'm shifting from the minimum effective dose with my fitness and nutrition And that becomes a priority. When that becomes a priority, there might be some sacrifices with maybe my relationship or my business that I have to know what's the minimum effective dose in those areas as well. So I don't ever look at it as what other coaches are doing. I don't ever look at it as I have to stay um, on 
you know, physically I have to look a certain way with, you know, there's people that are in way fitter than I am and have, you know, are completely shredded year round. And that's amazing if they can continue to, to do that and operate at a high level. Um, but I'm competing with myself. I like the, you know, the, the competition of, can I look back like year over year? And that was the other thing, expanding the time horizon. Like, can I look back at the last quarter and look at how that, how things have shifted from this quarter to last quarter uh, over the last year? What have I seen in terms of growth from my, my physical health? And I, I kind of break it down into different pillars. You know, um, you know, there's the physical side, there's the business financial side, and then there's the relationship side. Um, so those are like three main pillars in my life that I'm always assessing. How did I grow year over year, quarter over quarter in these three pillars? What's which one's the priority and which one am I going to have to live more in that minimum effective dose area? Uh, and it's and it's really challenged me to take a step back from always pushing the gas pedal, which always left me starting back at square one. Um, you know, it, it's like if you are trying to you know power on a hose and there's a friction point in the hose, there's a leak in the hose and you're like, let me just turn the nozzle harder and let me just try to push the pressure like it's not going to work. We need to we need to remove the friction point to actually get the outcome that we desire. So I immediately can already hear exactly why uh, Maria introduced us based on everything you just said there and our shared mentality for uh, just competing with ourselves and being a little bit better. I love the mentality and the visual of raising the floor um, as well as I just like the idea of, of expanding the vision and looking at life for lack of a better phrase, there's seasons. There are seasons you're going to go harder in on the business and there's other areas. So but instead of neglecting, What's the minimum to maintain? It may not grow, but I'm not going to let it just drop. And looking at life, because we get so caught up in this, well, if I focus on this, everything else is gone. Well, it's like, I'm going to focus on this for a quarter or two quarters. Here's what I'm going to do. I've got a, a coaching client right now who's in the middle of training for an Ironman and building an incredible organization as well that's growing incredibly rapidly. And, and he's also got family. And so we talked about seasons and how like, okay, let's plan this. And on the back end of your Ironman, because you've had to pull out time from family, let's make sure we've got a vacation planned at the very end of it. So you can unplug and they can get more time with you. And it's all about understanding that and knowing that and being okay with it. Instead of what most people do is just go through life on autopilot and they they're not intentional with that piece. And so I really love how you position it and frame that. Mike, out of curiosity for anybody listening today that's intrigued by what you've talked about, obviously you do some incredible work on the mental game as well as on the physical side of nutrition. Where can we learn more about your program, your coaches, everything that you offer under kind of the umbrella of Neurotype? Yeah, so uh, the best place to start would be my website, which is just neurotypetraining.com. Um, or you can listen to me ramble a bit longer on my own podcast, which is called Mind Over Macros. Um, that's on <laughs> any podcast platform. And I say rant because typically I'll have a topic in mind and I'm, I'm somewhat of a tangent talker where I'll, I'll go off on a tangent and just get really animated and heated about something. And then I have to find my way back to the original point. So, you know, if that doesn't bother you, um, then you'll probably enjoy the podcast. I love it. I love it. As someone who can relate, I have to now have notes on usually my screen of like, okay, stick to these because I will a hundred percent my ADHD runs and I'll say something and think of it. I'm like, Oh, we're going to go down a rabbit hole for a little bit. Everybody buckle up. <laughs> You're here for the show. Mike, where, and where is the best place to follow you online? I know you do, you put out some great stuff on Instagram. Where do you like to hang out the most? 
Yeah, Instagram is probably easiest. It's uh, at coach underscore Mike underscore Milner um, or Facebook. It's just my name, Michael Milner, the full name, um, because Facebook needed to identify me and they made me change it from Mike to Michael. Um, otherwise, they were going to like take away my account for some reason. But, you know, who knows what, what's going on there. <laughs> Love it, man. Well, we're going to be linking to your website, social media in the show notes today. Uh, dude, really enjoyed this time. Love to hear kind of how you process information um, in terms of coaching, which is given a really good lens in terms of your own journey, how you went through, how you worked through stuff, which for those listening should give you really good insight into how you work with people and this idea of little changes of adding stuff in instead of worrying about trying to change everything. Let's play the long game to be the most effective because as we all know, it, it's the little things that done consistently have the best impact and best opportunity to stick with us. So Mike, thank you so much for coming on the show this week. Thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Compete Everyday Podcast. To get in touch with the team, drop us an email to podcast at competeeveryday.com. And to find out more about our resources, content, and gear that will help you build that winning mindset so you better compete for your best life, visit competeeveryday.com.